Welcome to the American Grown Podcast, hosted by Austin Sullivan. The American Grown Podcast will focus on people from different walks of life and their journey to where they are now. Now, turn up your volume and settle in for a great episode. Hi, I'm Austin Sullivan, and I'm your host for the American Grown Podcast, recorded inside the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios. Today, we have Brian Smith. He is a community leader serving Lebanon County for over 25 years as a paramedic and now as executive director of Lebanon County Christian Ministries. Brian, welcome to episode seven of the American Grown Podcast. What's up, Austin? Hey, so glad you could I got to call you Sully in here, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you could for the <laughs> listeners out there. Um, Sullivan being my last name, uh, a lot of people in high school, a lot of friends nicknamed me Sully. And uh, of course, Monsters Inc. came out and that took off. So it just was a good fit being a bigger guy and, and everything. Uh, but yeah, welcome. Yeah, welcome. thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I've noticed that I, everywhere I drive, I've seen the Wellspan billboards uh, all over the county with your pictures on. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's been... Uh... Pretty interesting journey. I think I've I've, I've been excited that that uh, Wellspan chose to you know, have me kind of represent the the um, bariatric surgery process and you know transitioning for a new life and and probably really I mean that's what's changed my life. I, it, it's changed uh, it's changed an awful lot of my life. Had a lot of factors coming together at the same time, but um, yes, I have a friend in the marketing there who had reached out and said, "Hey, can we use you?" and and I said, "Yeah, absolutely." And um, it was just like maybe pre-COVID, during COVID. And okay. uh, and then it took forever. Obviously, COVID kind of put a stall on a lot of things. And she texted me one day and she said, get ready, they're about to go out. And, you know, funny story, my wife was traveling for work and she was in Waynesboro and she texted me, she's like, you're on a billboard in Waynesboro. Waynesboro. <laughs> you know, I think people, you know, don't think about it. It's, it was branded Wellspan across the whole, you know, Wellspan um, footprint. Yeah. My son uh, was on YouTube one night, and he's like, "Daddy, I just saw your, you know, commercial on really? YouTube." Yeah, so there was okay. like YouTube commercials and and TV commercials, but you know, there was a uh, you know interesting story just shared with me from my dad the other night. Yeah, um, there was a there was a poster board, and probably still is a poster board in one of the elevators at the hospital, and um, so I've still have a lot of connections and friends at the hospital from my my paramedic days and. And they were sharing with me, you know, hey, this is up. We see this, you know, we go to work and we see your face every morning. And um, but my dad had a, a coworker who uh, just had gone through the the bariatric surgery process, and my dad was asking him, hey, so you know, what made you do decide right. to do this? I was going to ask you know? that. I was <laughs> right? going to ask. Yeah. And, and this gentleman said, oh, actually, your son inspired me, and I don't think it, like it ever really hit me that there was this chance that people were going to see this and it would you know, inspire them to maybe do the same thing. And, and unfortunately, this gentleman's wife was in the hospital, so he'd been going in on a regular basis, and he'd see it every day. And next thing you know, he, he made the call, and he's had the procedure done and, and is doing well. So, you know, I think it's great. I mean, it's a cool opportunity for me um, to have been very um, personal in the decision, but now have other folks, um, you know, be benefiting benefiting from, from surgery. Yeah, I mean, to have an impact – on this gentleman, like you said, going to the hospital, uh, you don't realize all the people that you can impact, you know, and, 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 and touch now, you know, you, like I said, you look great. Yeah, Confidence boost, I'm sure. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it was, it's funny. My, my wife and I talk about it a lot. Um, the, the, the cross sector of, uh, me having surgery, I had August 12th of 2019 was my surgery date, September. 
is when I transitioned to my new role at, at Lebanon County Christian Ministries. Okay. So I had this kind of faith growth that was going on pre the surgery. And then um, they kind of collided and just really began to mold the Brian in, in you know, today versus um, the Brian that wasn't always a great guy uh, years ago. Um, I don't know if I'm a great guy now, but I know that from a, from a uh, decision-making process, I know what, yeah. what drives my decision-making. And, um, you know, it's it certainly, I think it's a, it's a confidence thing, but yeah. um, I, I know that my wife said before, you know, you're, you don't, you don't seek um, the attention from folks for confidence. Now you have your own confidence, which is really powerful when you start thinking about it. You're like, yeah, I didn't realize that's, that's what was, you know, kind of driving me. But for me, my driving, you know, um, I had my knee replaced at 36 years old. Okay. So um, always being a big guy, played football, um, played baseball, played ice hockey. When, you, when you're when you 36 years old and having a significant surgery like that, yeah, and then big. you can relate it back to his personal decisions, right? It was the fact that I had not um, taken good care of myself. Yeah. Um, and then I had a little guy at the time who's 10 now, and uh, I was struggling to walk up and down the steps pre-knee replacement carrying him because it hurts so bad okay um and then i'm looking at him and realizing that i missed out with my older boys a little bit on on that playful journey because i was a big guy and um i said you know i, I gotta do something here and i've been to the family doctor for a very long time paramedics mm-hmm. are very no very well known for not taking care of yourself okay uh, number one yeah uh, i think healthcare in general often that's the case but uh i had um decided that it was time for me to finally go to the doctor at 40 two years old mm-hmm. and uh, saw Tom Merchant uh, recommended from some good friends of mine. And Tom came in and, you know, did the cordial thing. And then he said, dude, like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to kill yourself? And I think that was like the eye opener, like, yeah, like this is not good for myself. And mm-hmm. um, you know, within three weeks I had blood work done. I, I was the healthiest unhealthy guy in the universe um, and I decided it was time for me to do something. So Jason Maroon did the surgery uh, out of Wellspan Bariatrics out of the effort office. And, um, you know, I, I get the feedback on, you know, was surgery necessary? You know, mm-hmm. was that the thing that, that did you have to go to that dra- drastic uh, expense? So, but I, I'll, I'll tell you that for me, it was, it was the right decision. Do you think uh, paramedics and people in the, the healthcare field put others first um, out of out of the health of themselves do you think that was you know a big decision maker for you you know you're always taking care of others and never really taking the time to look at at yourself at, at your health i think it's it's a couple things um, if you look at i'll say firefighters for career firefighters so okay. i'm i'm talking about folks that go to work punch in Ride on a fire engine for a 24-hour shift. Ride on a ladder truck for a 24-hour shift. Many of those places have um, fitness policies, right? You, ha- you you have to pass some physical agility tests. Some of those guys, they, they have it built into their schedule to go do an hour of, of cardiovascular work during their shift. Um, and in most places, fire personnel are paid a livable wage police officers, you know, and they're governmental, right? They're municipal mm-hmm. jobs. They've got Correct. fairly yeah. good healthcare benefits. They've got, you know, retirement police officers, right? I mean, you want to see somebody protecting your own community that is fit and is healthy. Um, and, and they're municipal police officers and mm-hmm. they have got a, a retirement plan and they've got healthcare that in this area, particularly, um, does not exist for EMS. EMS is typically, 
uh, nonprofit, community-based. Uh, we're seeing a growing, increasing number of hospital-based healthcare systems, but the pay has always been um, fairly low. Mm-hmm. And you certainly weren't working one job, so you're working two jobs, or you're working three jobs, you're working 80 hours a week. Wow. You weren't seeing the family. You were running calls from the start of your shift to the end of your shift. You were eating a, a, a sandwich in, your, in the front of the ambulance going to a call. So there, it just was, everything was set up to just not be as, as, uh, as healthy. I think we had many EMS providers say, well, I don't have time to take care of myself and take care of other people. And, and now Brian 2022 would say, yeah. you know, that's a load of poop. Like, let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's like get real with this and say, you need to build into your life ways to take care of yourself because you won't live, um, a well yeah. life if you don't take care of yourself. An analogy or something that comes to mind is when you're on an airplane, they say the air master coming down, you know, take Put yours on first so you can help others. I think that ties in well. You know, if you're not taking care of yourself and, and healthy, then how can you help others for years down the road? You know, if you look at the short term, the quick fix, you know, yeah, I'll take care of other people, but it's yourself and then building out from there. Well, Dude, I love yeah. analogies. Yeah, yeah. And you just... Was that good one? That was a great one. Okay, thanks, bro. Like, I'm like, I'm like listening <laughs> yeah. to you do I'm like, man, there's so many things in life you that you can apply that to. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, just, you know... Life in general, take care of yourself first, yeah. and um, and, uh, and then you take care of those around you. Fantastic. And while you were at First Aid and Safety Patrol here in Lebanon, the staff that I believe you led, your executive director, was roughly 130, and this kind of shocked me was you handled roughly 29,000 incidents annually? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean... <laughs> Think, uh, we always said it when I worked there. Um, first aid and safe trail was one of the best kept secrets in town, and, and didn't want to be a best kept secret. Uh, one of the things on my way out the door uh, was that the municipalities were beginning to step up and starting to help fund first aid, which was a huge, huge deal for them. Uh, right now, being able to replace capital and and purchasing vehicles, and it just it helps boost morale of the team. We went through phases where we were just constantly looking for businesses to try to get income. I mean, it's no different than, you know, owning your own private business. When, when you, when things are down, you go find business. Um, yeah. So they handle a lot of calls and, uh, they're still very, very busy organization. They have a great partnership with Wellspan, uh, handle a lot of transfers out of a lot of different places and then provide uh, 911 services to, you know, a nice portion of Lebanon County. So let's throw it back for the listeners, early childhood. What, mm-hmm. What was your life like? What was it like growing up and your parents, uh, siblings, you know, in high school, things like that? I grew up in Anvil. So good old small town Anvil. Um, I, I look back on my childhood now and realize how fortunate I was. Uh, I don't think I ever would have been able to feel that as a kid. I think my wife and I say that about our kids now is that, man, I hope that there's a day they look back and realize how blessed they were. So I grew up in Anvil. Um, we, uh, we lived right along the what's now the Quitapilla Park, um, and back then it was not the Quitapilla Park. It was our four-wheeler motorcycle riding, you know, bicycle riding, fishing spot that nobody ever came to, and it's nice to see it transition over the years. Anvil's a small town. My grandma and grandpa owned a hardware store and roofing business, okay. um, so my dad was a roofer in town, and um, we used to go to the hardware store and see grandma and run past our grandpa and grab candy off the candy rack on the way to see grandma. 
Uh, my mom was a beautician in Anvil for, um, well, she had her own own shop for 40-some years. She was a beautician for 50 years. It was in our house, in our basement. We used to always say, if you want to share a message, you telephone, you tell a marketer, and you tell a Debbie. Um, <laughs> and my mom's name's Debbie. So, okay. you know, you, you, I yeah. would say you didn't get away with much in, in, Levin, or in uh, Anvil. Great, great community. Went to Anvil Clinton High School, graduated in 1995. Um yeah, I was, just, I was blessed. I was blessed as a, as a young man. I have a sister that's two years younger than me, and, um, you know, it was it was very good. At your time at high school, do you remember a certain teacher or um, mentor, anyone that helped you? You're kind of prepping for this. I don't know that there was, you know, one to sit and say that there was one. Anvil is a small school, right? Um, right. You know, Cedar Crest. Um, I, I'm on the school board at Cornell Lebanon now. Yeah. And my kiddos, I had three boys that graduated from, from Cedar Crest last year. And, you know, it's different when you're at a school. We graduated 125. My boys graduated 375 or whatever it yeah. was. Yeah. So I, I think that every teacher had the opportunity to have some type of, of impact in, in, your, in your day, um, being as small as we were. I played baseball and football in high school. Uh, I didn't play football my senior year. I blew my knee out my junior year. So I played fall baseball, getting ready for a baseball season. Um, a lot of folks don't know. I, I sang in the chorus of Corral. Our madrigals, like our, our morning, you know, get their early uh, acapella group, played, mm-hmm. the, played the trombone. We kind of did a little bit of that music and, and sports things together. Again, small school, you can kind of get those opportunities to to, to be a, a, a bigger fish than you actually are in a small pond. So it was good. I, you know, yeah. I really enjoyed being in Anvil. And looking back on those after-school activities, mm-hmm. you know, for all the listeners out there, you know, whether they're going to high school or maybe freshman to college, would you recommend those to students? You know, what are your, what are your thoughts? Because some, sometimes parents are like, hey, it's, it's, it's school first, you know, academics, a part-time job because they have to. Maybe family situation makes them, you know, and some kids. I feel like, you know, sometimes maybe you grow up a little too fast. You know, time flies and all of a sudden – you blink and you know you're, you're working a full-time job or you're 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 in uh, in college and you you missed out those opportunities to play baseball to be uh, playing piano to be an artist as much as opportunities they are also accountabilities okay so for me uh, I was joking around I was never the most academic kid I I I was a BC student uh, even in my medical studies as a paramedic on the street, I was golden. I could treat people well and I understood what needed to happen, but sitting down and taking a test was not always my forte sports and after extracurriculars made me pay yeah. attention to what was going on with my academics. And, and that was, uh, you know, that was a, a big deal, I think, but so they are, they're opportunities for kid, kids to, to, to be engaged. Um, I think that Every individual student uh, is different. Um, I've, like I said, we have three boys that graduated last year. My stepsons are twins, and my son, and um, you know, my son hit a golf ball pretty far. Yeah, um, he was a good hockey player. Um, he was on the Cedar Crest hockey team, varsity letter all four years. Nice. Uh, but his academics drove me crazy. Like mm-hmm. we just battled with it all the time. Um, he was one that benefited from COVID because his senior year from January through graduation, he was working full time in, in a in an internship. My stepsons are extremely gifted academically, but always keeping kids engaged. And I think it's engaged into school and it's engaged into the community because because the school has to be part of the community. It definitely ties and brings everyone together. 
brings a, the families because they're there to watch their son or daughter, you know, compete. And then, like you said, they, maybe they then get involved with the schools to, to better the educational system and, and be more a part of, of, you know, their child's lives as they're growing up. So now after high school, um, college or right into work? Ish. Ish? <laughs> College-ish. Ish, okay. Uh, yeah. I, did, I went right to paramedic school. So in high school, I was... Um, I was 16 years old when I took my EMT class and mm-hmm. 17 when I finished it. Okay. And I'd been volunteering at the Anvil Fire Department um, when I was 16 years old. And I knew that uh, I wanted to I wanted to do this as a career. So I had to Pittsburgh, went to the Center for Emergency Medicine January of 1996, the, the year, you know, six months after I graduated high school. And uh, to attend a paramedic program back then was a full-time six-month program. So okay. I was in class two days a week for eight hours, and then I rode on the city um, medic units for my student time. Went to Presby. Well, it's UPMC now, but it was Presby back then, to the emergency department. Went to Children's Hospital. Went to the Women's and Babies. Went to the Burn Center. All these places for our clinical time. So I graduated there in, in uh, June of 1996, and I received my state certification in July of 1996. So I say, para, you know, college-ish. Mm-hmm. Paramedic school is extremely intense, uh, very, very, very high-paced. Um, as an adult, I've taken some classes, still working towards kind of finishing up a degree. But mm-hmm. yeah, paramedic school is it. What was that like when you mentioned like the the burn center and and mm-hmm. things like that? Being you know a teenager, being younger, what was it like to see those things? Yeah, yeah. I I look back now. My you know my boys are all nineteen now, and I'm thinking, man, I was I was. Shocking people and putting tubes down people's throats and wow. you know <laughs> yeah saving lives like holy carrying God. carrying uh, you know yeah. narcotics and just the accountability responsibility mm-hmm. at, at nineteen I don't think it was ever I don't think I ever really appreciated how intense it was then but um I the when you're in that environment you're like so wrapped up into like learning right mm-hmm. and and for me it was like. Um, Mikey Wise, uh, so Mikey was a Reading City police officer that was okay. killed in line of duty. Uh, yes, um, yes. Yep. Mikey, Mikey was my paramedic preceptor in Pittsburgh, so okay. he was from here, right? So oh. he was a he was a city paramedic at the time out there, and and um, you know I couldn't wait to go hang with Mike, right? I couldn't wait to like go see what was next out there. Um, I couldn't wait for my time to go to the OR in Children's Hospital. Uh, it was it was pretty awesome. I never once thought, geez, I'm only 18 years old and I'm doing this, right? Yeah, so uh, yeah. um, I lived in an apartment by myself. Um, you know, probably was the beginning of the demise of some of my weight gain. Um, I went from okay. being really active in school to sitting in a classroom running on a paramedic unit and had macaroni and cheese and hot dogs in my refrigerator. I'm 18 years yeah. old. I don't know what I'm doing out there. Right, right. right. But uh, it was good. It was I don't, I don't regret any of those decisions at all. That has to be instilled in you, that responsibility, that sense of re- responsibility. Uh, do you think that came from your, your family, your parents? You know, say, hey, this is, this is what I want to do, and I, you set your mind to it. Well, I think some of it was absolutely like my mind was set. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's what I was going to do, and, and I didn't have a plan B. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there You're wasn't like a fail out of paramedic school, yeah. and then I'm going to go do this. It was, you know, this is what I was, was going to do. Um, but it was certainly instilled by my parents. And my my yeah. mom and dad um, both were hard workers. There was nothing that we got as as uh, kiddos that mm-hmm. um, we didn't recognize the work that my parents put in to be able to provide that. My, also, my parents also instilled in me that we had some responsibility. I paid for paramedic school. 
right oh, out okay. of my pocket. Like yeah. I, I worked at Seltzer's Bologna, um, yeah. two summers throwing bolognas in a smokehouse for, you know, earning money. I went to paramedic school with a bunch of money in my checking account, wrote a check that day to pay for school, paid rent for an apartment and uh, came home with like $35 in my checking account. Um, I remember my parents made me earn money to buy my first, you know, stereo that had the two tape players with the you know, CD on the top and okay. you can record uh, yeah. from tape to tape. But, oh, wow. um, so I think, yeah, my parents absolutely instilled a lot of that in, in me and, and I hopefully have done that and I'm doing that with my own kids too. Do you have any life mentors or mm. people that have helped you along the way in, in both kind of career paths? There's a, you know, human mentor and then a spiritual mentor. Yeah. <clears throat> Obviously at this point in my life, you know, Jesus Christ is a big mentor to me you said bring something along that you know you can bring along yeah, I brought my bible i noticed that um i i've read a lot of leadership books over the years mm-hmm. and um you know i've really strived to be a, a good leader i uh, just finished a book called uh, lead like jesus um uh you know I, i've got lots of i could get into a debate over servant leadership and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing but no matter how deep you dive into books, you know, mm-hmm. the leadership lessons of life are right here in, right the, in Bible. the Bible. Yeah. That, that being said, a human mentor for me, um, absolutely was a guy by the name of Steve Lyle. Um, Steve was the executive director of the emergency health services federation. And there was a period of my EMS career where I had gone to the regional council for about two and a half years. Again, extremely young to be doing what I was doing. Right. Uh, I was, um, leading, uh, an eight county area, uh, leading the, the physicians group that was meeting to talk about standards of care and how we were changing the care in, in, in EMS. And I was doing regulatory investigations into providers and licensing of ambulances. Steve was my boss there and, uh, he is the most humble, um, inspiring leader, uh, that I could have ever worked with. And to this day, uh, I still stay in contact with Steve and, and he, I wish that mm-hmm. I would be where I am now spiritually. I wish that I could have been that spiritual then because he, he was there. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe, um, because he was there, that was, he was mentoring me in ways that I didn't even know. He was ministering to me in ways that I didn't even truly understand then. And now I do right now. I get it. Um, right. so Steve was a, Steve's an incredible guy. Okay. You're passionate obviously the, the Lord and, and Jesus Christ, but then I would say serving others and serving the community. But what do you think it, your passion is in life? Hmm. I think that is continuing to, to evolve for me. When I left, you know, I, I was, I had a really strong understanding of the EMS system, um, whether, whether people agreed with the direction I wanted to take something or not, that's okay. We could always agree yeah. or disagree on that. But when I left EMS, uh, and went to LCCM, man, I knew nothing about feeding people who were hungry, clothing people who were naked, or housing people who were homeless. Yeah. Right? So I, I just, I did it. Um, I've been diving into it, and, I, and I've got an incredible team over at LCCM. Um, folks that have been there for a long time, folks that are newer, that have incredible experience, incredible smarts. So as I look at some of these books that I'm reading and, and, and the programs that we're trying to institute. I think that my passion right now is to get as many people as I can connect with to realize their own potential, their own God-given potential. Realize that God has placed so many perfect things in every single person. 
but the number one thing is to believe in yourself and then obviously believe in Jesus Christ. You know, if you believe in yourself and you set your mind to it, you, you can achieve great things, Absolutely. you know, and things that people would think are impossible. Because I saw in the form, and, and for listeners out there, to be on the American Grown Podcast, you fill out a, a roughly 30-question form, and some questions seem random. My wife helped me, so shout out to Courtney. She uh, she helps me even write up the scripts that I, that I go off of, because sometimes I ad-lib, but it's nice to have some notes. The one thing on your form I kept seeing... It was a book, uh, 40 Days of Social mm. Media Fasting, and then just social media fasting in general, which I find amazing because people nowadays, and I'm guilty of it myself, uh, glued to your phone or your, your computers. I think on there you said you're off of Facebook, and how is that? How did that impact your life? <laughs> so this is, this is a story inside of stories. Every season, we have this season called Lent, mm-hmm. right? So... Yep. Um, Ash Wednesday comes and, and, uh, we're entering into Lent season and everybody walks around and says, what are you giving up for Lent? You know, what are yeah. you giving up for Lent? What are you giving up for Lent? And so we are heading to, uh, our Lent service, our, our, our Ash Wednesday service at church. And, uh, it was, uh, probably one of the most powerful and impactful services that I've ever attended. And it was very little of a service. We had one of our team members at church who had, who had shared her testimony, and it was powerful, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. But they broke us up into, like, like stations. You went to a different station. So okay. one station you went to, and you read through something, and you did communion as a family. And we had bags with, like, stuff in it. And there, my young man, Brady, our 10-year-old, he had his bag, and it was a kid's bag version. And things like we went to, um, uh, to the one station, and we took a uh, – pipe cleaner and you you made a shape of a person out of it and then there were mirrors there on it and you looked in the one mirror and it said how god sees you and the other mirror said how's how the public sees you and and it was just like that reflection of how do you when you look in the mirror what do you see do Mm -hmm. you see do you see yourself as god sees you perfect and and a child of god or do you look at it say oh i'm overweight and i'm ugly and i don't have hair and i my hair's ugly color and my hair's a mess right you know how do you look at yourself? So we're going through these different stations and we get over to the station and it says, you know, this is what giving something up for Lent really means. It's fasting from something. It's just taking something that's in your life and mm-hmm. taking it away. And how does it change you? And my wife says, oh, I already ordered a book. I'm giving up social media for Lent. And I'm like, sure you are. Right. She's yeah. like, Brian, I'm serious. I'm giving it up. Like, I, I, I think it just puts the stress on me. She's like, there's things I have to do for work, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do them on my computer and not my phone. Okay. And I'm like, I don't think I can. Like, I don't think I can give out social media. Right. It's such a big part of, of everyone's life. And, and some people live through it, you know, posting pictures where they travel or, or updating family. Uh, and somehow that's, that's how people uh, stay connected, you know, across the country. So yeah. to give it up does seem like a very big, big undertaking. Yeah. 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 So I said... All right, if you're going to do this, I'll do it and I'll read this book with you. You have to appreciate that for years of my life, I hated reading. It's only like in the last year where I've like finally said, I'm going to slow my life down to mm-hmm. the point where I'm going to read. So we're reading this book. It's 40 Days of Lent, um, social media fasting. Just read through each one. And I still have not 
got back on social media and Lent is long over. Yeah. Um, still, I, yeah, still. I still am. I, I, I get on to, you know, maybe post, uh, Hey, the new meal is at LCCM Saturday and Sunday this right. weekend. But you know, I have some team members that handle most of that on a regular basis. I'll get on just to see the engagements, but on my personal side, mm-hmm. uh, my daughter got married last weekend. So oh, congrats. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. So, you know, Monday I jumped on just to look to see if I could see some pictures and I was back off again. And also what I what I really realized through this process is mm-hmm. there's a weight that gets placed on your shoulders through social media because people can be keyboard warriors. Yeah. People put out a false facade of what perfect life. We begin to look at social media and think that that's what we need to look like and to act like and to do. That becomes the the social norm, right? That becomes the norm of what we're supposed to do materialistically as a community right. versus going to this paper-based book yeah. and saying, this is what you know we're supposed to be living our lives like. Right. Not like that. I don't want to live my life like my neighbor or my friend. I want to live my life like Jesus Christ. So, And I just, I found myself getting angry and yelling at posts that, you know, people, just yeah. crazy. So I just, it's gone. I've checked out of it. Yeah. I agree with you 100% because I feel like you get caught up in the nonsense of social media, you know, um, whether it's so-and-so posts this and all of a sudden you're you're angry at that person. You may know them, might not have seen them since high school or something, but they post this one image or one thing and, and, and whether it be, like I said, political or just something going on in the world and you're like, you judge that person right away and uh, it shouldn't be like that. You should know them in person, meet them in person. And, and I think as a society, this is just my thought, you know, the days when kids would get together and play baseball and just do it on their own or play football. Now it's, Hey, come over to the house. We'll play the Xbox, you know, we'll get on the PlayStation. And I don't know if people are as close. I don't know. Uh, social media, if it brings people closer or not, it's a, it's a, I feel like sometimes it's a disingenuous closeness. I'll give you a quick example. In Please. that same period of that social media fasting through the Lent season, my 10 year old, their goal was to like give up something for a week, right? Just okay. try to keep it in perspective for the, the span of a, of a 10 year old. And he says, I'm giving up Xbox and my, and YouTube. And I said, okay, dude, you know, and he had been into playing Fortnite or whatever on Xbox and he was on YouTube and he's watching stupid videos on there. And I said, all right, sounds good, man. So week went by and, um, we had bought him a Fitbit and that week, every day he was like, oh, I got 20,000 steps today. Whoa. I got 24,000 steps today. I got 20,000. Yeah. He is like ready for bed at night. He's out riding bike. He's out shooting pellet gun. He's mm-hmm. out living um, life. shooting basketball. Just, yeah. I'm like, this is what it's supposed to be like to be 10, you know? Yeah. And I said, buddy, I said, have you noticed that you've not had a smart mouth with us? You're tired at night. Yeah. You're ready for bed. You're sleeping good. Your, your, you know, school's going good. Mm-hmm. He he changed by eliminating those things, and we could get into there's a gazillion books out there about how technology impacts our kids. But until you see it happen, he would come to me to the point of you know friendship. He'd come to me and say, "Dad, I got this best friend on Fortnite." I said, "Dude, you've never met your best friend. He's a, a couple letters on right. the thing that shot you some fake dude." Like, yeah. What? So um, we, he's not been back to the Xbox. Uh, he's got limited time on YouTube. Um, he wow. he you know he used to sit. This is when I knew, this is when I like, okay, we have a problem. He used to have his Xbox on with Fortnite, and I'd walk in to check in on him, and he'd have his iPad watching somebody play Fortnite. And I'm like, bro, 
we're done. Yeah. Like this is, this <laughs> is a lot going on. This is not okay. Like yeah. I appreciate someday you're going to need to multitask, but, right. but this is not okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To go back to 2011, I graduated Cedar Crest. I went to Kutztown and I was on the track and field. And I mentioned this a couple episodes earlier, but, uh, you know, we had practice, an hour practice. I didn't take my my PlayStation with. I didn't take any video games, anything like that. Uh, really, you weren't watching TV. And I got in the best shape of my life. Uh, you know, now, yeah, I mean, honestly, 40, 50 pounds I lost. And now part of that was, yes, the workout for track was brutal. It was excruciating, you know, an hour to two hours. Uh, throwing, lifting, running, you know, which if you know me, I'm not much of a runner. So, you know, it was, it was tough. I remember having the first day having to flip this big tire, like tractor trailer tire or whatever it was. And, uh, it was tough. And I, I do think not having, again, those video games, uh, the TV to sit in front of, you know, after, after classes was, was huge. And also to tie in, like, like you were saying, social media gives a, a fake facade of, you know, you have to look like for young women and, and for men, you know, this is the ideal body. You should have a six pack or you should have long blonde hair, blue eyes, whatever it is. I think the social media, by cutting that out, you're not as anxious, maybe. Yeah. You're not trying to compete with somebody you don't even even know. Yeah. And I, I think it's, I think the same thing, these all come together, right? So mm-hmm. if I, if I eliminate my phone time of scrolling through senselessly, this like just dumb scroll. Oh, I know right? what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't even know what you scrolled through. There are plenty of images on there that are not good for right. a person's eyes that will lead you in a position. You know, we, we just went through this at our men's ministry. We we're going through, uh, um, you know, just talking about different things. And, and one of the things we were talking about is like, you know, when you're scrolling mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it pops up a, a picture of a, you know, young lady in a bikini, you know, what do you do with that? And just, there's no pictures of young women in a bikini in the in the word, right? right. I mean, yeah. So yeah. So like, let's spend our time doing something like valuable know, reading, really? right? And, yeah. and and you know, exercising your brain, exercising. Period. My wife and I used to watch uh, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, and we okay. binge watch them. And I can't even tell you the last time I watched it because you know when I get home from work, my schedule is home from work. Mm-hmm. Then it's an hour to an hour and a half of working out, you know, eating dinner spend some time together reading, getting a cup of coffee, going, you know, this time of year we're out on the deck. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, man, just let's fill our lives with stuff that's going to, I, I want to know what my wife did today. I don't want to yeah. know what these other guys' wives are doing. I, I do that with Courtney sometimes, all, all the time. We tell about our days. I'll say, hey, how was your day? You know, and she'll give me a rundown. Hers is normally pretty, pretty brief. And then of course she'll listen to me go on and on about work and the family business and things, all good things. But uh, it's nice to have, someone to vent to and, and yeah, just put the phone down and get off of social media right now. The, the biggest thing that is killing my time and I know it is, but it's, it's, it's this, uh, TikTok. Have you heard of that app? <laughs> I know it's, I'm 30 years old, but uh, TikTok. And I remember it came out right around COVID. I believe it was, it was like a perfect time because people are home, you know? And uh, I'm like, I'm not getting on it. Cause I remember, I think my sister or something were, and then all of a sudden I'm like, it's addicting. It, it really is. And I, I hate to say it, but I feel like, for the listeners out there, I feel like, you know, I can't be the only one, but it's just, it's addicting. So that is something I'm trying to get better at is just saying, you know what, why, like you said, waste time, do something valuable, you know, whether it's working out, walking for 30 minutes to an hour, reading a book. Cause I, I like to read. And I honestly, when I was younger, I read a lot. Um, and now it's just like phone constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Tick, TikTok would have never made it back, you know, 
20, 25 years ago because we had to get up off the couch, dial in to the internet, right? You know, go through and you'd sit there and those videos would have been like, and stuttering through. And like now you sit on your phone, you don't have to get up off the couch and you know, it's just right there. So, but yeah, I think one of the things that I've always used as a, as a life lesson when I'm leading somebody and they're making decisions is if, if something is going to be easy, it's probably always the wrong thing. Yeah. That the right thing is often more difficult to do. So if you think about it, if it's easy to just get on your phone and just yeah. Amazon. Oh, I hate Amazon. Right? Like oh. we do this all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I sit in my wife like, this poor Amazon guys, like they just like get up every day, like we're going there again, you yeah. know, because yeah. it's like, oh, I want this. It's convenient. So, and it's at your house in a day or two. And, yeah. um, you know, is it the right thing? We're spending money that we don't need to spend. So I don't know. I just I, I like to go back to if it's if it's if it's going to be more difficult, it's probably the right thing. If it's really really easy, you should probably I like think twice that. about it. Yeah. So you mentioned it because I was going to ask you, what's your average day like day to day now that you are the executive director mm-hmm. at Lebanon County Christian Ministries? Yeah. So so life has changed. Yeah. Um, for me, um, pre pre LCCM in the EMS world, um, every nine one one call went to my phone. Incident reports went to my wait, phone. Wait, every every call? every every call that our ambulance was going yeah. on, I would get an alert. We had an app that I would okay. get an alert, and it wasn't that I had to go anywhere. It was just that I wanted to know wow. where our units were going when we were getting covered, when we were covering somebody else. I mm-hmm. just I wanted to be in the know. We, you know, battalion chief pass on reports, incident reports, all these things. They're constantly it's information. Like you want information, yeah. you know, suck it yeah. in, suck it in. And when I made this transition, one of the things I committed to was I was this, I was not going to. Um, just be that engulfed. Like mm-hmm. I just was not going to be that sucked into it. It doesn't mean that I don't care, and it doesn't yeah. mean that I'm not going to work oh, hard. Sure. I, I'm, I'm, I dig what I do. I love what I do. But, um, I'm getting old, so that means that I automatically just get up at a certain time in the morning. I don't set an alarm anymore. Mm-hmm. But six six thirty, I just wake up, um, and uh, and I and I don't rush around in the house anymore. I go down. I get a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually do some type of reading, whether it's devotional reading or a book that I'm reading. Uh, and then I make some breakfast. I eat breakfast every day. I used to never eat breakfast. Um, yeah. but every day it's two or three eggs every morning. Um, nice. make sure my little guy's up and ready, moving towards school, get showered. Uh, make sure I get him on the bus in the morning. Um, just something I've committed to just making sure I'm there for him. Head into work. Um, have my day. Uh, we are still in the in the business that I'm still in. We still have to deal with crisis management where things are happening and changing. But I I literally schedule into my week um, five to six hour workouts. Uh, I ride bike. I run. I lift weights. Um, swim. Just uh, try to try to really make sure all of that stuff is getting done. Yeah. Uh, try to make sure that. Uh, Calories in and calories out have a balance. Do you do you count on on an app or anything like that? I don't. Um, You know, one of the interesting things, and actually, I've just recently kind of gone through some some kind of self reflection on this again. Yeah. One of the things when you go through a procedure like gastric sleeve is your stomach becomes the size of about a quarter cup, uh, so you're limited to what you're going to be able to eat. And uh, you know, I people around me would hear me say, oh, I can eat anything that I want as long as I don't eat too much because I can't eat too much. Mm-hmm. And um, so that journey led me to about the bottom now, 197, 195. Uh, I was 364 pounds when I started this journey. Okay. And then I plateaued and really balanced out naturally at about 205, 210. 
and I started lifting. My doc's like, hey, okay, you got the exercise part down of, you know, aerobic. Now mm-hmm. you need to start lifting, right? So um started lifting, and I started getting a little bit stronger. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. my legs are bigger than they ever had been. I'm getting, feeling stronger. And scale went to like 219, 220. I'm like, that's right. I'm lifting, you know. And uh, yeah. recently I just read a book called The Daniel Plan. Rick Warren, uh, pastor at Saddleback Church, wrote it with Dr. Eamon and Dr. I think it was Dr. Amet. And uh, the, the premise behind the book is if it's grown, if, it, mm-hmm. if it's uh, how is it? if it's made on a plant, eat it. If it's made in a plant, don't eat it. That's great. Right? Wow. Yeah. So you think about it, like potato chips, like you don't go them off the potato chip tree, yeah. but you yeah. get a carrot out of the ground, right? right or an apple. Yeah, so, yeah. Yep. Um, so just that the, the week, two weeks that I was reading it, there was one week where I, I started paying attention to what I was putting in my body. Mm-hmm. And you know, just starchy stuff or peanut buttery stuff or whatever. And, uh, and that week I started kind of shedding some pounds real quick. And then the next week we went on vacation, not good timing for that. But, um, so do I track it? I don't, I don't really sit down and track exactly. I eat a lot of the same things, two or three eggs for breakfast. So oftentimes I'm eating two or three eggs for dinner as well. Um, I, I, you know, non-fat, vanilla greek yogurt mm-hmm. put fresh produce on it a little bit of protein granola on it that's my lunch frequently um carrots peppers cucumbers okay. those are my snacks i'm just gonna assume but cut out all soda all chips yeah and i was never really like a big soda guy oh, okay. but um soda any bubbly stuff is out once you have this procedure done so bubbly stuff oh. is out so i and i so i don't drink i drink vitamin water zero okay yep. uh this is like my go-to this is my 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 problem i guess if you will so uh, coffee straight no cream, no sugar. I've always been a straight coffee guy. Vitamin water, those are my drinks. Um, you know, I, I don't eat a lot of chips and stuff. My arch mm-hmm. nemesis is those little peanut butter filled pretzels. Oh, yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I just, my wife is on her way back from Sam's Club right now, and I said, please don't buy any more of those. Yeah. Like, we got to get them out of the house. <laughs> yeah. They're just, they just, they're, they're banned. They are the devil. I know what you're talking about. They're, they're yeah. good. Yeah. They're very good. Yeah. That sweet and saltiness. Yep. The two jobs, how do they compare? Because you've been at, the one, uh, a long time, you know, I, I thought when I left first aid, I was like, all right, those relationships, I, you know, those people are good. I would love to still stay in contact. I won't ever probably talk to them. Right. It is ridiculous how these two worlds have collided and been so similar. So first off, I'm at LCCM for six months and we have COVID hit. Yeah. So immediately doing planning, you know, emergency planning and stuff, right. like, you know, with our homeless shelter, what are we going to do? What are the plans? What are we going to, you know, constantly yeah. looking at health and safety protocols? Are we, you know, doing the right thing, balancing out all the stuff that everybody had to balance out. Um, now I'm realizing how important food and shelter are to basic necessities and how they relate to person's medical and it's, 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 it's crazy. So there's this um, program out there that food is medicine, right? So when somebody's being discharged from uh, a hospital or they go to the doctor and they identify that, you know, they have high blood pressure, mm-hmm. they have high cholesterol, they have diabetes, all of those yeah. have something to do with food. 
right? Yeah, yeah. You know, if you eat pizza every day, you're gonna it's get gonna high blood pressure, to you. Yeah. right? You know, yeah. if you eat peanut butter cups as your main source of uh, you know protein during the day, right. it's right. gonna cause a diabetic emergency. <laughs> yeah. So food really is medicine, and we're looking at ways at LCCM that we can do better on the food distribution side that it becomes medicine for those that we're serving because the cycle is that oftentimes folks that are living in poverty, folks mm-hmm. that are living in Alice. Uh, they are the individuals that are um, needing a healthier food option because they can't buy it. When you go in the grocery store, if you're going to go in a grocery store and shop, yeah. you should always stay on the outside. Have really? Never heard that? Yeah. No. Okay, next time you go to the grocery store, pay attention to okay. this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me. If you go out, if you go into the grocery store and you make a left hand turn, a giant out on seventy two, you got to get past like all their bakery stuff first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But you go around there, and all on the outside is your fresh produce, your fresh fruits and vegetables. Okay, I can picture that. You go around the backside, you get into your fish and your meats and stuff, right? So now you're getting into your proteins. Yeah. And as you go down through, then you get into your dairy products. And then you just come around there, you get into your eggs. Okay. Right? And then you get into... I think then they kind of made there's some breads on the end there. Yeah. So yeah. if you do that, right, you mm-hmm. could literally just go one loop around and head right out. And you're good. When you start going up and down the aisles, you get into spices, you mm-hmm. get into um, sugary stuff, like pancakes are in the middle. Yeah. Right? Your sugary syrups are in the middle. Your canned fruits. And, you know, when you go to canned fruits versus fruits on the outside, canned yeah. fruits are con- there are tons of preservatives, preservatives and right. sugars and stuff like they're in yeah. a syrup, right? Yeah. So when you start getting into those things, now there's a difference, right? If I'm buying a bag of fresh apples mm-hmm. or if I'm buying canned pears, um, canned pears are probably going to be cheaper. Right. Right. So you start getting into a cost thing. Yeah. You get into the frozen food aisle, right? Frozen pizzas. That's what I'm picturing. Yeah. <laughs> right? uh-huh. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So it's, you're not going down there to get frozen peas most of the time. Yeah. Right. right? But if you are, like, great. Grab yeah. your frozen peas and move on. But you know, start thinking about what's in those aisles, and that's that's less desirable stuff. Yeah. You get to the checkout. Like, you don't be buying stuff at the checkout counter, right? Oh, they try that's, to get you. That's right? the that's last, where the, like, you know, Hail Mary throw. You went to the grocery yeah. store hungry. You bought a lot of groceries, and you buy a Snickers bar on the way out the door, right? Yep. So. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at some of those principles as a ministry to say, how do we make sure that we are getting the outside of the wall stuff handed out to yeah. folks so that they can be using it and we can use food as medicine. So my lives, my, my worlds have collided. Mm-hmm. Many of the friends that I have at the health system are, are friends now in this world. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm excited about it because they're established relationships for me personally, and we're just continuing to partner and grow. And grow. A, you just briefly mentioned it. Alice. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to sound uh, naive, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I just think of Alice in Wonderland, I'm being <laughs> honest, you know, but yeah. Alice must stand for something. It does. Yeah. It does. So in Lebanon County, um, we, we, well, not in Lebanon County, but Lebanon County has a report. So we address and look at poverty, which is, uh, you know, poverty for a single household is income from around $15,000. Okay. Um, poverty is, you know, this, this number that's thrown out there from a federal government perspective that most of us couldn't even fathom right but then you hear the working poor right Mm -hmm. so that's alice asset limited income constrained and employed okay okay so asset limited meaning what i have is limited i by my income my income is constrained but i'm still employed yeah so i'm i'm maybe not um maybe i have a job that has good income good pay i'm making 15 18 bucks an hour uh but i've got no benefits so i don't have any health care but if I'm making 15 or 18 bucks an hour and I go to apply for medical assistance, maybe I'm making too much to actually be eligible for medical assistance. 
So now I need to take my income and I need to go to the marketplace and I buy healthcare for myself. And now my buying healthcare, I've just put myself back into poverty. Right. So it's these, these are the things. So in, in Lebanon County, United Way of uh, Pennsylvania ran the report. United Way of Lebanon County has shared this messaging. But the Alice report says that a two-person, two-adult, two-child household in Lebanon County should be earning somewhere around $30-plus dollars as a household per hour. Uh, and that meets basic necessities. That means okay. no birthday parties, no no rec baseball, none oh, of that wow. stuff. So that is just pay rent, minimum. have yeah. a car, go to work, have insurance, pay childcare, yeah. get my kid to school, and then some food. And some food, but nothing. Yeah, that's it. Nothing, nothing wow. extra. You're not you're not going down to the market to buy yourself a big T-bone to take home yeah. the grill. So how do you get out of that? It's a vicious cycle. You know, <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have enough time for that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. the book I'm reading right now is called "When Helping Hurts." Uh, it kind of walks through some of that. The three phases of somebody that's uh, going through, um, you know, trying to, to raise that. There's relief, rehabilitation, and then um, the last one is is development. So when we say about relief, relief is like an acute right now, whatever's going on in my life is going to cause significant problems. Mm -hmm. It's a Thursday afternoon. I'm getting ready to go into the weekend and I have zero food in my cupboards, not, not food that I don't like zero food in my cupboards. I need something to sustain me over the weekend. Um, relief is that I just got a bill for my electric and it's going to get shut off if I don't pay this bill. Um, those are some immediate relief things. So there are certainly folks in our community that live in that relief stage that we need to make some some work, you know, do some work to assist. Um, but but then the um, rehabilitation piece and the development piece. Rehabilitation is not what when I say rehab, it's not mm -hmm. going there for an day. Rehabilitation means that I'm going to work with somebody. I'm going to build up relationships. Um, most folks that we identify in our community in some level of poverty struggle significantly with relational poverty. Okay. And I'll give you this example. If you had, um, your, your transmission goes out of your car tomorrow, uh, you may not have two grand in your checking account or your savings account to go get that fixed. But if you needed to wait till the next paycheck to do that, you probably had relationships that would help you get to work or get things done until then. Right. Or you may have a relationship that says, Hey, I'll give you the two grand today. Give you some help. Mm -hmm. We talk about that in the church community. A church community is often those relationships that exist. Many of the folks that we see in our world at LCCM lack those relationships. They may have destroyed them on their own, whatever it is, but those relationships are lacking. So we kind of have a new thing that we've been talking about is connection before correction. How do we build some of those relationships, even with our own people? So when somebody's in our homeless shelter, our staff, they become our, they become our, our family. Right? So, we're, yeah. so we're constantly building that relationship. We want to build that relationship so that we connect with them before we then begin to correct. And the correction piece is, hey, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, what's your dream? And it's amazing how many people say, oh, I don't really have a dream. I don't yeah. know what I want to do. And the reality is like, come on, man. Like, God gave you many talents. Like, let's dream. So yeah. if you want to be a nurse, you may not be able to go to RN school today, but how do we get you into a CNA program that mm -hmm. you can get a job at a hospital that they're going to help pay you, right? Because and part of it is our society demands immediate gratification oh, yeah. instead of oh, yeah. allowing us to have the opportunity to grow. So... Yeah, I mean, man, you can get me on a roll here. So how do we really alleviate this Alice piece is we've got yeah. to continue to build community, build relationships with folks. You know, it's not okay just to drive down the street and give somebody five bucks. Mm -hmm. um, take that person to dinner. Uh, there's a great book. Um, I'm going to try to remember what it is. Um, Invisible Thread. Okay. 
incredible book. Uh, it's about a business lady in New York City. She's walked through a little boy's asking her for, for money for food. And she says, no, come on, let's, I'll take you for, um, for, for lunch. And she took him to McDonald's and got him some food. And, and they end up kind of building a relationship. And today, I think they were on like Good Morning America or something like oh, that. Really? Um, but yeah, yeah, they call it Invisible Threat. Great book. And it's a great example of how building a relationship with somebody, you know, we're sometimes afraid to get our hands dirty. Um, and I encourage people to get your hands dirty. Work together. Uh, to better yourself and the community. So last couple questions here to, to end it. Um, tips for healthy living and tips to either start people's journey or getting closer to the Lord and, and Jesus Christ. I just wanted some quick tips if you have them. All right, quick tips. Yep. <clears throat> Um, I'll go back to the Daniel plan, man. If it was grown on a plant, eat it. If it's made in a plant, start thinking about cutting it out of your life. Um, it's not that easy and no, it's hard, but, um, that's, that's a good one. Get up and do something, you know, exercise is exercise. You may not go out with me and do a 45, 60 mile bike ride on a Saturday morning. That's okay. <laughs> um, I got friends that do that with me. It's all good, but, yeah. um, there's nothing wrong with getting your, you know, butt up off the couch and getting out and going for a mile walk tonight and two miles tomorrow night. And next thing you know, in a few weeks, you'll be running a 5k, um, build relationship, build build community around you, both in your, your food and in your life. Um, those are big deal things. Uh, accountability, having accountability partners. Um, I don't care if it's, uh, if, if you're struggling with eating problems, pornography, drug addiction, alcohol, um, having an accountability partner, somebody that mm -hmm. you can call and say, dude, I'm having this craving. I don't care if it's over peanut butter pretzel or if it's pornography, that person needs to be there to yeah. reach out. Right. So, um, and that leads into, I'm, I'm just, we've got a great church that our family is connected to that has created family for us. Um, uh, I, there's no, no perfect church out there. Um, there's the right church for you. Mm -hmm. I will hear people say, I have a great relationship with Jesus Christ, but I just happen to watch videos on a Sunday at home. That is, that, that doesn't cut the mustard. Church is the community. Church is where church brings people together. Um, those are relationships. Uh, how do you do that? Man, you just gotta you just gotta jump. You just gotta go for it um, and uh, dig into the Word. Dig yeah. in. Really read your Bible. It's amazing how many um, individuals that I know mm -hmm. who were raised in the church, grew up in the church, go to church and don't know the Word. But there are an awful lot of men and women that come in the doors of LCCM who may have been in prison, who yeah. live on the streets. And it's amazing how many of them have dug into the word and know the word. So wow. get in there, start reading, and uh, you know, just just get at it. Why do you personally do what you do day in and day out? That's that. That's the what's the why, right? What's yeah. your greater why? Correct. I've got kiddos. Mm -hmm. um, we all have the ability to be difference makers, and and I, you know, I think it's cliche to say I really love people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But um, I I do. Um, I just, I like being around people. Um, I think that we can, we can make a difference by coming together as community. I love seeing people partner. There's some great partnerships going on in this community right now. And, and through those relationships and those partnerships, I want to be part of making this a better place, mm -hmm. making this a better community to live, work and play in. Um, and, and I, I tell you that I'm only doing this job because it's somebody else's plan, not mine. Uh, Jesus Christ had this plan for me. He said, you're going to do this for this long and I'm going to change your life and you're going to do this. And, um, you know, he's been a difference maker in my life. Yeah. Oh, I firmly believe that. I believe in episode one, I even mentioned that, um, 
there is a higher power that that plans mm-hmm. our our life you know and whether it's good or bad at the time or or sad or happy you know it's it's planned out and we're all here for for a reason you know so now how can our listeners connect with you and follow along on your journey and also learn more about Lebanon County Christian Ministries well, I guess personally it's tough since I gave up social media, right? Right, yeah, that's a little tough. <laughs> I guess you could still go to Facebook and yeah. find me on there and, and uh, you know, put me a friend request, and the next time I get on to look at something, I'll accept it. But, uh, yeah, I still have a bunch of my friends that tag me in posts. People come, come to me and say, hey, dude, I saw you did this. And I'm like, you did? How did you see that? <laughs> Somebody tugged me in it. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I really, like, I've disconnected from social media. So um, here's how you can do it is, I guess, come swing by LCCM and see me sometime. I'll give you a tour, and uh, you can come volunteer with us sometime. Uh, so that's that's how folks can uh, can can connect with me uh, uh, from that aspect. Um, what was else? What was else? Connection and what else? Oh, uh, connect with uh, Lebanon County Christian. Oh, Ministries. so with Lebanon County Christian. So yeah. so we are, um, you know, on that thing called the World Wide Web. I don't know if anybody goes to that <laughs> anymore, but uh, lccm.us is our website. Uh, we are on social media platforms for LCCM. We are on Facebook and um, Twitter and Instagram. Really great resource and a great need or great need that we have and you could be a resource is our um, our overnight homeless shelter we we rely on volunteers to spend the night with our guests they spend the night at the chestnut street community center at sixth and chestnut street it's a simple get online request it i i send you to watch a video of a training and um, it's an incredible way to kind of get your feet wet with our ministry so love to have folks join us there before we close out is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know you know, I, I, I have um I have a scripture that's probably my favorite scripture. Um it's in uh, Philippians four six. Um worry about nothing and pray about everything. If we could just unite as a community and and raise our community up in prayer and our brothers and sisters in prayer and worry about nothing, um you know, our Lord and Savior, he's got a plan for us and yeah. he will provide. Life life would be uh much better, I believe. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, Brian Smith from Lebanon County Christian Ministries on the American Grown Podcast in the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. If you want to see more American Grown content, follow along on Facebook and Instagram. Username American Grown Podcast. If you received any value, please share this episode with friends, family, and coworkers. And lastly, subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to be a featured guest on the podcast, please direct message or email Austin at AmericanGrownPod at gmail.com.